Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. The scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. Reverend O'Grady, do you want to tell me what verses and chapters that might be? It is chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. Great. Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. The Music and Discovery older children would like to present a dramatization of the scripture for you this morning. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Hey, where's narrator three? Narrator three, wake up! Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the four ends of the earth, and to the ends of heaven. Where is narrator four? Narrator four, wake up! From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you you will know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at night, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to You, I say to all, keep awake. Hey, keep awake! (laughs) Thanks be to God. As they say, out of the mouths of babes. So keep awake. I'm about to preach. (laughs) Let us... Turn to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you. We thank you that throughout our lives, your love provides all that we need. We thank you that in every season of life, you have promised to be faithful to us. So be faithful to us now, O Lord, for we have come here to receive your word. We ask that you would quiet within us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word and not be hearers only, but doers as well. For we pray in Christ's name. 
Amen. It was now many years ago that the season of Advent and the preparations that go with the Advent season took on new meaning for me. My wife Lynn and I were a young married couple, and we were pregnant with our first child, due sometime before Christmas. We had moved into our first home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We closed the deal on Halloween, and uh, a few weeks later, it was Advent. It was a season of waiting, but we were far from passive in that waiting. Now, Advent is this season in the life of the Christian church. You'll notice that our anapendium colors have changed. Uh, It used to be green and was green all the way since Pentecost for the most part when we celebrated the coming of the Holy Spirit into the life of the church. And since early June, we have been in what's known in the church liturgical year as ordinary time. It's a season of working out our salvation, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a season of improving our lives, of reforming our families and our church life together with the help of God's Spirit in order to achieve a better life, to achieve that life that we want and the life that we feel the Lord wants for us. But Advent is a little different. Advent is a season of waiting and anticipation, like a young couple waiting to deliver the birth of a child. Now, notice earlier I said that we were pregnant with our first child. What I mean by that is I was as pregnant as I'm ever going to be. It was kind of a solidarity thing with my wife. My wife was clearly doing the heavy lifting that year and really has been ever since. But I was not without responsibilities and duties. My job was to be ready when the time came. I was on call. I was on alert. Now, this was way before the time of cell phones and smartphones. You couldn't be contacted in a moment's notice. Therefore, it was a matter of coordination of schedules because she would need to know where I was at any moment, and then she would need to know how to contact me there. So finally, the rather expected but unpredictable day arrived. I wasn't awake or alert. I was sound asleep. She woke me up about 3 in the morning. She now was in regular labor contractions. I jumped out of bed, immediately threw on some clothes, and I headed out to the garage, pulling our car into the driveway so it could warm up. You see, in Minnesota in December, it's always cold. And you just kind of hope, as a young couple, that your child doesn't decide to arrive in the midst of a snowstorm. Thankfully, there was no snowstorm that night. There was plenty of snow already on the ground. It was just bitterly cold, probably 10 degrees. So I was prepared. The car had plenty of gas. All the insurance stuff was in order. The OBGYN was on call. We'd interviewed the pediatrician, and he was prepared to be pressed into service. We even had packed a bag of essentials to take with us to the hospital. 
there was no passive waiting. It was active. Preparing for what we knew was coming, we were just uncertain of the timetable. Now, my wife Lynn's preparations included that morning a shower and washing her hair. She was not going to show up for this big event without looking really good. The problem was there wasn't enough time for her to dry her hair. And the car had been running in the driveway for two hours while my wife showered and dressed, taking her sweet time. I was frantic. By the time we got to the hospital, her hair was actually frozen. (laughs) After getting settled in the hospital bed, the nurse was going off shift. It was now 7 o'clock in the morning, so she came in to say goodbye. And my wife turned to her and said, "Uh, when do you think the baby will get here? And the nurse said, well, once you get into good labor... It should be maybe an hour or so. My wife looked at her in a rather pained expression and said, you mean this isn't even good labor? What's good labor? The nurse looked at her and said, you won't be wearing that smile anymore. (laughs) Our first child, Molly, was born that day, December 15th, about noon. And some things you want to be ready for and yet you you have absolutely no idea how it's going to mess up your life but you learn to wait actively with no clue when or how it's all going to happen but with some certainty it will happen before long Advent invites us to wait like that like a couple waiting for their first child. Advent is this new season. It's actually the beginning of the new year in the life of the church. And it's a time of waiting. But it's not waiting for Christmas. It's waiting for Christ. Those who lived before the time of the birth of Christ had no idea when the day would come or when the hour would arrive. They were in a perpetual state of watchfulness. And his birth came like kind of a surprise party that would take place at any moment. By anticipating the return of Jesus Christ, we wait in the same kind of way that those who waited before the birth of Jesus waited. You know, a few years ago, you may remember this, it was popular to have a flash mob. You remember those those years? One afternoon at Nordstrom's in the Santa Anita Mall, a flash mob gathered among the shoppers to sing the Hallelujah Chorus of Handel's Messiah. Flash mobs were the rage in 2010. Using social networking, which was kind of new at the time as well, they organized this flash mob, and it could be created in a moment's notice. The message would go out and people would gather. This one was billed as a random act of culture. People arrived unannounced upon the unsuspecting store at the appointed time. And they all looked like they were just shoppers preparing for Christmas. But at the signal, the piano began and singers, in this case, members and friends of the L.A. Master Chorale, including a number of our choir members here, 
broke into the Hallelujah Chorus at Nordstrom's. No one carried any music. Everyone looked just like all the other shoppers in the crowd. And our own Lisa Edwards back here was on the piano providing the accompaniment. It was an absolute surprise for the shoppers. And that's the kind of experience that the New Testament is trying to describe in the story of Christ's birth. It came out of nowhere. Some people were anticipating it, but most had no clue. The coming of Christ is an event that some are prepared for and others not. Some are paying attention and others are just shopping. Some know something's about to happen and others just think this is a day like any other day and I'm just going about my business. Some prepare. And others are watching and waiting for Christ. Some things will change your life, but you don't know how and you don't know when. This is your wake-up call. Be prepared. The new year begins with Advent in the life of the church, but it's not with optimism about what we can do the realization that despite our best efforts, despite trying our hardest to make our lives better and to improve our life together in this world, we cannot save ourselves. Advent begins with the realization that we've come to the end of humanity's rope. All our schemes for self-improvement, all our attempts to extract ourselves from the traps we've set for ourselves come to nothing. And we come to realize at the depths of our being that apart from the intervention of God, we're irretrievably lost. This fall, we have witnessed flooding and fires and earthquakes sexual harassment in the workplace, the moral failure of some of our favorite people in the entertainment field and in political life. We've seen shootings in churches and schools in this country, bombing in a mosque in Egypt. There's turmoil in the halls of Congress over tax reform and the escalation of tensions with North Korea. There's Russian influence peddling. There's Iranian nuclear ambitions, global warming, just to name a few of the things in our news this fall. And it can all leave us feeling a little like the world must be coming to an end. Could it get any worse? Are we living in the end times? Well, apparently, according to the Gospel of Mark, the author thought perhaps 2,000 years ago they were living in the end times. And he quotes from texts out of the book of Daniel who before him thought he was living in the end times. And so did Isaiah and Joel and Ezekiel in every age. There has been a sense of impending doom, the end of the world as we know it. And we cannot save ourselves. 
And so Advent begins this year with this text in Mark's gospel known as the Little Apocalypse. And this text stands between the teachings of Jesus and his ministry and the passion that follows, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And disciples then and disciples now need to heed the message to remain vigilant, remain awake, because God is about to do something amazing. You know, fly fishermen know how to wait. Waiting for springtime to arrive, that's a passive, frustrating kind of waiting for a fly fisherman because there's nothing you can do to encourage the changing of the season. But once it arrives, a fly fisherman does not find it burdensome to wait for the trout to rise in the stream at his or her favorite watering hole. Full of anticipation and expectation, the fisherman accomplishes the many things they need to do. They prepare the fly, they attach it to the line, they wade into the stream of rushing water, they cast into the pool, all filled with a sense of anticipation. Never really knowing when that fish is going to rise and take the bait. That's the kind of waiting that Jesus is talking about when he says, keep awake, keep alert, for you don't know when the time will come. But long ago, on the adventure of faith, the people of God began a journey. And it was through the wilderness and towards a land of promise. They believed in what God would yet do to save them. They watched and they waited for the Lord, the one who led them into the future. And the Lord fed them with manna from heaven to sustain them on their journey. And Jesus then reenacting that meal with his disciples feeds us with new hope for the future. A future that belongs to God. We come to this table today to prepare for that future. We come to this sacred meal this morning to be nourished in that same hope. Let us come to this table so that we may receive what the Lord has to empower our lives and to transform us and launch us again into the adventure of faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. So wake up. Wipe the sleep from your eyes. The Lord is coming. Thanks be to God. Amen.